0: You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick.
1: You made it. This is the last one of persistent resistance. Give yourself a pat on the back. Now, I wish. I could tell you that, okay, the series is over, therefore the resistance in your life is over, but I can't do that. That would be a false gospel, and I should be fired. Uh, But what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to wrap our hearts around and open our minds up to that there is actually resistance in this life. If you are a child of God, uh, Jesus has come so that you would have life and you would have it to the fullest, and what happens on the other side of that is there is an enemy of your soul and he's coming to steal everything that God has written over your life. He's come to destroy everything that God has for you in your life and all the things that he wants to do. He wants to steal, steal kill and destroy anything and everything that God has promised you. And so he's going to do all these things to get you off your game, so to speak, and make you think that you're breaking life. Has anyone ever felt like you broke life? you like, I broke life. I'm the first one to ever break it. It happened to me. I broke it. He, he makes you want to doubt God. He makes you want to renounce God. He makes you want to try to live your own life because you believe that God's not qualified to be the Lord over your life. And therefore, you want to be the lowercase l Lord over your life. And that's when the enemy has you right where he wants you. And so we've kind of been talking about not only resistance and that when we have resistance, as James says, we need to be able to reframe that that mentality that we have when resistance comes. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face resistance of any kind, because he knows the testing of your faith is producing something In you, and when he says consider it pure joy, he's not just saying, like, hey, put a smile on and fake your fake laugh your way through. He he wants us to be encouraged that we know that number one, we're children of God because we're having resistance in our life. Like the enemy doesn't care about people who aren't children of God. Like it's the children of God that he is trying to get off their game. And so we get to reframe that. We also get to reframe that and say, you know what? Like we're heading in the right direction. The very nature that I'm experiencing resistance when I want to read my Bible more, when I want to get involved with church, when I want to submit my finances to God, when I want to submit my relationships with God, when I am experiencing resistance in that, it doesn't mean that I'm actually doing the wrong thing. It actually means that I'm heading in the right way. And so we have to reframe and then we get to remain and we get to know, we get to say, you know what? God is doing something in me. And so rather than giving up and tapping out, I'm going to keep going. Like I'm going to punch the enemy in the face. Like the way that we punch the enemy in the face is not say, enemy, i punch you in the face. We do it through obedience. We, we stay obedient to God. And so we, we've not only just talked about resistance in general, the other thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you, if Baskin-Robbins has like 31 flavors of resistance, I'm trying to give you six flavors of resistance. Now I know Jenny's has way more ice cream flavors than six, but I think the enemy is so boring that he's singing the same song. He's like the original one-hit wonder. And he has these same things that he's doing in our lives to get us off our game. And so he starts to sow doubt in our life. This is like the oldest trick in the book, right? This is what he was trying to do with Adam and Eve. He's sowing doubt in our life, and he's trying to get us to doubt God and renounce God and trust God. And then he, he wants to highlight the loneliness that we feel in life. And so therefore, if we feel lonely in life, maybe we feel lonely towards God, and we know in the Gospels that even though we might feel lonely with God, theologically, we are never alone when it comes to God. The very nature of what we believe as believers is we believe that we have a faith in Jesus Christ, and we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, and as a result, if we have faith in that, we receive forgiveness and grace and mercy, and not only do we receive an overwhelming overpouring and covering of grace and forgiveness over our lives we receive the indwelling of the holy spirit and so that all that means is that Christ in his holy spirit is all up in you that's the greek it's like all up in you is i'm just kidding that's not the greek that's like the urban dictionary version it's it's all up in you and so you just know that when you are heading into these dark moments you know that 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 You didn't leave God behind and step into the valley. God's with you in the valley. Like when you go into a hospital, they may ask for your name and sign you in, but they don't sign Christ out. Like he goes with you. He's with you and he's for you and he's interceding for us in the heavenlies. And so we, we don't feel alone when we think about a relationship with God, even though the enemy wants us to think that. And then we see these traumatic hardship situations that happen to us we know that, man, this is a casualty of war. This is what it means to live in this world. It means that this place is broken, and this isn't our final home, and we will experience hardship. And what we can't let happen is we can't let the enemy capitalize on those things. Like, we can't let the enemy step in and be like, hey, you know, God, like, he... He probably is up to something, like he probably did this, he probably did that, he's probably doing this, he's probably doing that. Like we have to be able to speak truth to those moments, and we have to know that hardship, the way out of hardship, the only way out of hardship is in our relationship with God. The only way out of hardship is with Christ, not Satan. And so when we experience resistance in the form of hardship, we're like, man, I can be real, I can be responsible, but I'm also going to be patient. And I'm going to allow myself to heal, and I'm just going to know that the enemy's going to try to do everything he can to make me give up in life. Like when you have the death of someone very dear to you in life, like you're reevaluating everything, and you're like, man, I just want to give up. I just want to step out. I'm just tired of it all. And God's like, hey, you can take a pause, but I need you to know that I'm not done with you. And so don't let the enemy do the work when you're in this season of trying to heal from the hardship. And so he uses his hardship and then he uses spiritual attack. The enemy is going to try to divide the church. He's going to try to divide our relationships. He's going to try to attack our relationship with God. He's going to try to do all these things. And then lastly, he's going to try to get all up in our relationships and he's going to allow or try to get the vertical reconciliation that we have from God. He's going to try to get that to stop with us and cause us to not to extend a horizontal reconciliation to others. He wants us to just take the gospel and stop there rather than extending the gospel to other people. And so the enemy is doing all these things in our life and the resistance that you and I face on the daily is persistent. Like it just is persistent. But I hope that we've given you the tools that you need to fight back when resistance comes. It doesn't mean that you want to fight. It just means that you know how to fight. It doesn't mean that you are going to gain victory on your own. It means that you're going to gain victory in and through Christ Jesus. So the last form of resistance that you and I face is waiting. The last form of resistance that you and I face is waiting. Now, why on earth Would waiting be a form of resistance? I mean, other than traffic, like I hate traffic. I I, like, I, I understand that nobody likes traffic, but why on earth would waiting be seen as resistance over the course of my life in my own heart and things that I have observed in others is when we are in a season of waiting, the spiritual wheels can fall off. And so, what I find is that when people are in a season of waiting on God, the spiritual wheels start to wobble and then they eventually fall off. In fact, these seasons of waiting are seasons of revelation, meaning they reveal something about what's going on. They reveal who we truly are in our integrity and character, they reveal where our hope is placed in God, in the world, or in ourself. In the name of Jesus, they reveal our patience level. I am not very patient. And then they also reveal what's really behind the desire and the longing and the dreams that we have. Like God is so good at getting to the root of what's going on in our heart. Like even to the form of in my world, when you talk about church life and church planting and pastoring and all those things, like God is so good at sniffing out people who want to build a platform for themselves or a platform for God. He just is. Like time reveals all things. And so when we are waiting on God, these are revealing moments. The human story is actually a story of waiting. It's so crazy, because what happens is, is we all are kind of at this four-way intersection. Have anyone, have you ever been in a four-way intersection? They're the most annoying thing ever, because when everybody comes at one time, it is like a dance, and you don't know who's supposed to dance first. And so what happens is, is that you and I, we are at a four-way stop of desire, longing, promises, and waiting. Like, that's the four-way stop. And it is just like a four-way stop. You don't know when you should go. You don't know when you should wait. You don't know when you should wave God in. You don't know if God's waving you in. You don't know how it works. And so you just sit at this intersection and wait. And then some of you are like, well, that's why God created the traffic circle, so we don't have to wait. But I'm telling you, those things are the matrix of wrecks sometimes. And so when we talk about the human story, we're talking about... A story of waiting, and this is the story that God is doing and creating in our lives and in our hearts. When you go back to the garden, like you look at a moment where they were waiting and trying to figure out how do they process desire. So I see the fruit, and there it is, and there's all the other fruits out there, but when when can I have that fruit that I can't have? And so there was this waiting period, and then all of a sudden Satan comes in and he capitalizes on that moment. He's like, hey, you don't have to wait on that. You don't have to hold off. You don't have to bypass that. Like, just just eat it. Like, it's it's good, right? It's pleasing to the eye. Like, usually we're not waiting on crappy things, right? We're not waiting on like anything dumb. Like, we're waiting on deep desires that we have. Then you get to Abraham. God's starting to form His people, this Jewish Hebrew nation, through a great promise for someone who couldn't have children. And so Abraham is in the midst of waiting. And rather than waiting on God, he decides to take matters in his own hands. And he just starts to think that only godly promises will happen through human means, right? Like anybody else ever felt that way? It's like, I've got the godly promise, but the only way this thing's coming to fruition is if I handle it in my own terms, in my own way. Like God promises marriage. So by golly, I'm going to get after it. It might not be the person that he has for me, but I'm just going to do it because he promises it. Or God promises this, and so by golly, I'm just going to do it. He promises me blessing and favor in my job, so I'm going to compromise who I am to get what he's desired for my life and promised over my life. And then you move to Jesus. Even Jesus had a moment of waiting. This is Matthew 17:17. 17, 17. I love this, this verse because it's like just Jesus, raw Jesus, Jesus replied, "Where is your faith? Can you see how wayward and wrong this generation?" And then here's the waiting part. He says, "How much longer do I stay with you and put up with your with your doubts?" So Jesus is like, "Hey God, like anytime you're ready to get this show on the road, like I'm ready to get this show on the road because I'm ready to be back with you because I don't want to be waiting on the cross anymore. Like I'm just in this waiting moment." And so God's story, in our story have a huge theme of waiting. It's, it's laced throughout the scripture. And how we respond in seasons of waiting is so key to our perseverance. It's so key to us being able to remain persistent in the midst of resistance. And so how we process waiting is huge in our walk with God. And I just have a warning. I have teenagers, and one of the things I've noticed is that the eye rolls are increasing in my life with them. It's like the older they get, the more eye rolls I get. And so what I have for you today is going to be encouragement, but it is going to be eye roll worthy. Like you're going to roll your eyes because you're going to be like, I know this. And what I do believe with all my heart is that I think we know how to wait. I just think we don't like to wait. Like, I think we know that we're supposed to be waiting on God, and I think that we know that we're supposed to be patient, and I think that we know that we're supposed to be trusting, but I don't think we like waiting on God. So what I have for you today is eye-rolling but encouraging. And so feel free to roll your eyes. Feel free. Y'all ain't going to scare me. I've got teenagers at home. I've seen it all. I once thought my daughter passed out. Her eyes went so far back into her head one time. And so what what you have for me in eye-rollage is not going to scare me, but I promise you, you will roll your eyes when you hear. So how do we wait on God? How do we have seasons of waiting? First word I want you to know is perspective. Perspective. Do you see your season of waiting as an obligation or blessing? And the eye-rolls. Do you see your season of waiting as obligation or blessing? Is it a have to or is it a get to? Here's the one of the most beautiful aspects of us having a relationship with God in and through Christ Jesus. Is that he is the only one qualified to be over anything in this world. Like he's the only one that's not going to mess it up. He's the only one that's not going to make a mistake. He's the only one that's going to bring something to the end. He's the only one that has the power and the ability to make things happen in the kingdom. And the God of the universe extends blessing and desire and dreams and promises and longings to you and I. How amazing is that? So when we look at blessing or when we look at The promises and the dreams and the desires, do we see them as blessing or obligation? Because what I see is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And not only do we get to dream and get to have longings and get to have all these desires, sometimes our godly longings can sometimes be God's leading in our life. And so God is putting something deep in your gut. And he's like, hey, I'm putting this there and I'm going to entrust this with you. And I'm going to allow this to be your leading in how you live on this planet. I love uh, this psalm. It's Psalm 37.4. It says, find your delight in true pleasure in Yahweh, and he will give you what you desire the most. It's part of the relationship of walking with God. Like God didn't create robots, he created people with choice because let's be honest, like love is a choice, right? And so when he's creating love in the world, love doesn't happen because you told someone to love. Love happens because they make the choice to love. And so when God so loved the world, he is choosing you and I. And so when the world so loved God, if you're in Christ, it is a choice that we make. And so when he is creating desire and longing and forming dreams in our hearts, do we see them as burdens or do we see them as blessings? Do we see it as obligation or do we see it as something that God is doing in our lives? Every once in a while, I get tired of waiting. Therefore, I get tired of God. And then like the wine flows. And I don't mean red wine. I'm talking like the whining from my heart. And then if it's not the whining, it's like complaining. And then if it hadn't happened yet, because like God's a microwave God, right? Like I, I start to get discouraged, right? And eventually, I'll remember that waiting on God is a is is a privilege. It's a blessing the very nature that we have a relationship with the God of the universe who could show up at any moment and change our circumstance. He could flip the switch at any moment. He can cause healing and miracle in your life. He can call healing and miracle in the people around you. He can do things in our lives that would take us 10,000 years. He can do in one second. And so even in the darkest moments when things aren't happening, we still have hope because we know that he is the only one who can move and he's the only one who will move, and so therefore we're waiting on him to see how he will move. I mean, can you imagine living in this world apart from Christ Jesus? I mean, where is the hope? Like when you're sitting in the hospital room, like, well, where's the hope? And even though it might not turn out the way that we wanted it to turn out, we still have hope that this is not our final place. And so God is shifting our perspective when it comes to waiting. Because the very nature that we are allowed to wait on someone and we get the opportunity to wait on someone is such a privilege. Can you imagine being waiting on something to happen in your life and not having a means for that thing to happen? Like we actually have the God of the universe on our side. We actually have Christ in us who's extending these promises that are bigger than ourselves. And we get to wait on him. We get to trust those things to him. We get to say, you know what, God, you have given me this and what a privilege and blessing it is to steward the thing that you've given me. Uh, I said this one time when Jess and I were talking. We were talking about calling specifically, and she was asking about uh, just a recent season I had where I was like, Man, I just, I want to give up. I don't, I want to walk away. This is ridiculous. I want to just hand it all in. I hand in my two week notice to self. Self, I'm handing in my two weeks notice. And she was like, What well, kind of helped you keep going? And I was like, I just got to the place where I realized the calling wasn't mine to quit. The things that you have in your life are not yours. He's entrusted you with those things, right? Like he's entrusted you with the dream. He's entrusted you with the promise. He's entrusted you with the desire. He's entrusted you with the longing. And so when we wait, we have to have a perspective that it's not an obligation. It's actually a privilege and a blessing that he would even extend those things to you and I in the first place. Like he's the only one who can handle it all. And he knows I can't handle it. And he's like, here you go. It's like giving a 16-year-old a keys to the Ferrari. He's like, go at it, son, have fun. And it's like, that's not coming back in one piece. I didn't even teach him how to drive a stick. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a wreck. So when you wait, are you waiting with perspective? Are you waiting with gratitude? Because you're like, man, God has given me this desire. Like God has spoken into this promise. I mean, the very nature of actually receiving promises from God is a miracle itself. How amazing is that? That the God of the universe speaks to your heart, speaks to your soul, speaks to your deepest desires. And that's such a privilege. Not only do we need to remember perspective, we need to remember proportion. Sometimes our wait time is proportional to the dream, desire, or the longing that we have. So, what I mean by that, the bigger the dream, the bigger desire, the bigger the prayer, sometimes the greater the weight. Ouch. Because we've got these things in us, right? We're like, man, I I just I want to see God move. Like I want to see miracles happen. I want I want to see things happen in my life that advance the kingdom. I want, I want to see this church plan, I want to see this happen, I want to see that happen, I want to see this. And sometimes we're like, why is the wait time so great? And what I find is that the bigger the dream, the bigger the promise, the greater the wait time, right? This is the story with Abraham, right? Abraham received the call to be a father at age 75. He was, as they like to say, seasoned. Like he was seasoned in life, well-seasoned, perfectly seasoned. And he had to wait 25 years to receive that child. When David was anointed king. David had to wait 15 years to be a king. Can you imagine having a coronation like they have in the UK? Like the coronation, it's all on TV. Like it's a big party. It's all the things. And so you come from being a shepherd to having this amazing moment and celebration. And then right when it's done, rather than them telling you to go to Buckingham Palace, they're like, all right, back to Scotland. Go live in the pastures. Do your thing. And he's like, wait a minute, I'm king, right? And it's like, yeah, you're king, but go be with your sheep. He had to wait 15 years to sit on the throne. How crazy is that? Here's a big one. This is a really big promise. Are you ready for this one? The coming of Jesus. Like that starts in like Genesis 3. You broke it, I'm going to fix it. Okay, and so then it starts to move, it starts to do its thing, and then David, around the time of David, God sends another little blip of a promise in 2 Samuel 7, well, that wasn't yesterday, so we're still moving on, we're still tracking through Scripture, and then you get to the end of the Old Testament, and then you realize that there's 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it was nothing but silence, and they're out there just like, I think there's a God, I, th- I think there's supposed to be a Messiah, did we break the Messiah? Like, did we just not figure out how this thing was working? And then you meet people in Luke's gospel, like the prophetess Anna, who literally got married. She lost her husband, and she was like, you know what? I'm not getting married again. I am sitting in this temple until my eyes are on Jesus. I mean, she lived, I think it was till she was 84. I mean, that's, that's some serious years in church. Like, I, It's like a miracle if we make it like two out of four. It's like, oh, man, God's moving in my life I was here two times this month. Like, God is real. Can you imagine going every day? I don't even go every day, and I, I work here. Like, she showed up every day. This is a hard one for me. I am such a big dreamer. I recently told this story uh, to The Way of the Bright, the group that we have on Monday, is we were literally about to have our first child, and we're wheeling my wife into the C-section room, and I'm like, hey, we should move to Manhattan. She's like, what? I'm about to be cut open. And I'm like, yeah, like we can move to Manhattan. We can help churches get established and planted. And well, number one, I've never moved to Manhattan. Like I don't live there. But sometimes when we are big dreamers, there is a big wait time that happens with the dream. Maybe the same is true. You're trying to wait on the good and godly spouse. And you're like, all right, it's been a minute. And so now you're asking yourself, could I get, like, get away with a mediocre one? Like, I, I'm influential. I can train, I mean, develop them into something godly. But, but that wasn't the promise, right? That wasn't the promise. The promise wasn't lukewarm, but like a man of God, a woman of God. Maybe it's change in another person. And you like just speak, to, I won't even say yell it, you speak to them enough to where it makes them want to fake the change. But the promise wasn't faking change, the promise was lasting change, right? It wasn't modified behavior, it was sanctification, which means God's doing a new work in that person. If it's a dream job, a dream business, or a big dream in general, like big dreams take a lot of time. And so what you see in Scripture is you see the law of proportions. Wait time is proportional to the promise. Wait time is proportional to the dream that you have. And so if you've got this dream in your heart and you're like, man, I know this is the dream, like sometimes it requires seasons of waiting. Sometimes it requires keeping that in mind. It's like you're keeping in mind that the proportion of wait time is going to be equal to the proportion of the dream. Have you forgotten the law of proportion? You're like, man, I want the world to change tomorrow, please. (laughs) Like, I want to be at the top of the company yesterday. Like, I want my dream job last month. And the beautiful thing is that God gives us these desires. He gives us these longings. But we also have to realize that we have a season of waiting sometimes. Every once in a while, like there's a breakthrough moment where you're like someone dreamed of something and then it happened and you're quasi annoyed by them, but also like you see God at work. But for the most of us, for the most of the time in our lives, the wait time is going to be proportional to the promise that God's extended to us. So we have perspective, we have proportion, and then we have person, Get ready to roll your eyes. Who is more important than what? When it comes to the promise, when it comes to the dream, when it comes to the calling, when it comes to the desire, when it comes to the longing, who is more important than what? And this works in two ways. Number one, let's go back to Psalm 37.4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And one of the first things you need to realize is that who he is is more important than whatever he gives you. That psalm says, delight yourself in the Lord. It doesn't say delight yourself in the dream, and then the dream will give you the dream. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. And so the person of Christ, the person of Jesus... The God of the universe, if he is not more important than what you're asking for, then you've got the cart before the horse, or whatever that means. Like you've got the wrong thing heading in the wrong direction. Not only is that important, who we are becoming is more important than what we are waiting on. I roll. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Who we are becoming is more important than what we're waiting on. Desire and waiting is an ecosystem for character development and sanctification. It's like you live in a biodome and God is using desires, dreams, promises, and he's like, hey, wouldn't this be cool? And you're like, that'd be cool. And he's like, all right, well, I'll get start to work under the hood. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're like, no, 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 no. I I just I want the thing. And he's like, no, 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 I'm gonna start working on the hood. I'm gonna start working under the hood. I'm gonna start checking the foundation. I'm gonna start making sure everything's in place. I'm gonna start making sure the engine's running correctly. You're like, no, no, I can like limp in there. Like I've ridden on E for a long time before. Like I can get there. Desire and waiting is the ecosystem for character development and sanctification. When we are waiting. God is working on us. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 5 17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And so, what God is doing in our lives is the moment that we say yes to Jesus, we are a new creation. Like the old is gone. The old is gone. Like old Nick, like all the things that were whack in his life is gone. Like I have been given a new identity. I've been given a new image. I've been given all this newness in my heart. But also there is a new that is happening over time in my life. And this is called sanctification. This is called God getting under the hood to make me the person to be prepared for the promise. And so what happens is is we want the promise and we don't care about preparation. And God cares more about preparation than he does about the promise. Because what happens is, is he wants to make sure that who you are is going to be able to hold what he gives you. Like he wants the character to be developed enough to make sure that when he extends the promise you're able to do it in such a way where you're walking with him and he's working in you and you are doing this thing together rather than you're like, okay, I got it. Good, thanks, God. It's good to see you. It's like going to Christmas in the family that you're not really close to. Like, it's weird. You stand in the corner, you get the obligatory gift and then you're like, okay, it's good. We'll see you. It's every other Christmas, right? And like, you see him in two years. And that's, that's not how God works. He's checking the foundation. He's making sure that you are building on the foundation of Christ so when he puts the promise inside the house, the foundation isn't sinking. And not only checking the foundation, he's checking our identity. He's making sure our identity is found in who he is and who we are because of who he is rather than what the promise is going to be extended to us, Right? because we're, I, well, let me speak from personal experience. I'm really good finding my identity and what's been given to me. I'm not very good at finding my identity and who I am and who he is in me. And so he's making sure that we have that identity that's secure. It's like, all right, I'm ready for the big relationship. God put me in. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. The big M, let's do this. And sometimes we don't know who we are. And so why would he put us with someone else when we don't know who we are? And then two people who don't know who they are do not make a right thing. I I, just trust me on that. And so he's saying, hey, I I need to make sure that there's some things that are secure in your life before I hand over the keys to the car. And so person is part of that. Is who he is greater than what he's gonna extend to you? Is who you are becoming greater than what he's going to extend to you? So, then we move from person to place. Where is more important than what? Where is more important than what? So what happens is God is giving us dreams. He's giving us desires. He's giving us all these things in our life. And he is extending promise to us. And we get to have the idea where we're like, all right, I'm keeping perspective. I'm trying to have good perspective. I'm trying to make sure that this is a blessing and not an obligation. And then I'm trying to keep in mind the law of proportion, where the greater the dream, the greater the promise, the greater the wait time. And I'm trying to remain faithful to the person he's making me into I want to make sure that he's more important than the promise. I want to make sure that I'm becoming the person that can handle the promise and then there is place. And so what happens is is sometimes desire can be met And then we realize that God is the only one who can meet those desires. He's the only one who can extend that promise. But what happens is is sometimes we get confused and we think that this world is our home. Therefore, we love who we are and what's happening right here more than where we're going. And so all waiting is, is preparation for eternity. We are a waiting people. We are waiting on a new heaven. We are waiting on a new earth. We are waiting on a quiet time one day where not the highlight is not the beach walk and the fresh journal page and the right playlist. The highlight is going to be that you are having it in the place that he's prepared for you with the one who has prepared the place. The highlight is going to be rather than a nebulous relationship with you think there is a God out there and I've put my faith in Jesus, you actually get to behold and put your eyes on Jesus. And so sometimes God is using waiting to remind us that there is something greater coming. And so sometimes in the midst of the disappointment, It is a gentle reminder that this world is not our home and it is not perfect, but one day we will have perfection and one day there'll be no more waiting. The thing that we are waiting on, yes, is amazing, is God's grace. It is something that he is extending to us in this time and in this season, but we cannot lose sight of where we're going. Like there is something greater than what we're waiting on. Like, we're about, I mean, I know we're having Christmas a little early right now. Like, I know it's hard. Like, we've already seen the Halloween decorations. And pretty soon, like, Starbucks Christmas cups will be making an appearance. And some of us will be annoyed. And some of us will be very happy. But Christmas is the reminder that we are a people waiting. And we are waiting on Jesus to come back. That's that's what's happening here. And so for you and I, we cannot let the disappointment of this world cause us to give up and miss out on the benefits of eternity. You cannot trade in the temporal for the birthright that you have that awaits for you. And so there are things that God has promised. There are things that he's going to do in your life. There are things that he has written over your life. But we have to keep in mind place We have to keep in mind that this place is very temporal and eternity will never end. We have to keep in mind that he is preparing a place for us and that it will be perfection and that there will be no more tears, there will be no more disappointment, there will be no more hurt, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering. And so when we are waiting, we have to remember place. We have to take in mind place. We have to keep in mind that hey, there might be a few disappointments along the way here, but this isn't my home. this isn't my final destination. And that is really hard because I think this world has conditioned us to think that here is good enough. Like I'm just being honest, like my job is one of like the, pro- the proclaimer of heaven. and I'm like, I-, I got some things to do here. It's, it's okay-ish. And the enemy wants you to get comfortable with the life that you have here so you take your eyes off of the life that you have that is to come. I mean, how amazing is that? And so when God is forming the waiting muscle in you, are there gonna be some cool stops along the way? Absolutely. Brad and or Chad will be amazing. Sarah is gonna be wonderful. Your career will be amazing ways for you to get back to the kingdom. The dreams that you have in your heart that you're gonna see fulfilled in this world, it's great. Like that, that God's God's using you here. But here is not the only place He's preparing you for, right? And so when we when we we have these seasons of waiting, we can give up give up on God. We can give up on the whole thing. We can tap out. We're just like, man, this is just dumb. I'll just do it on my own. Or we can become super discouraged and whine and complain. Or we can keep perspective and we can be like, you know what, God? Like, what a blessing it is to receive promise. Like, how crazy is that? Like, I I, I, I do very few things rightly and God's like hey here you go people's souls I'm like what oh, okay hold on let's talk about that I just wanted to have a place where like worship songs were sung and like good coffee and you know like maybe some kids can like hang out in the back and have a little fun and then like I don't have to pay people to listen to me to talk they just like come on their own and they like listen to me and he's like no 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 souls and so for you you've been given kingdom responsibility so we have to keep perspective of that and then we realize the proportion happens and so the greater the thing in our heart the greater the wait time and then we realize person oh my gosh like god is working like i don't know what it is yet i don't know who it is but he's working in me like this is amazing like I was super obsessed with what I wanted and now I'm obsessed with the one who has promised the thing that I want. How crazy is that? I didn't even see that coming. That Bible reading plan is way more attractive than what's his face. <laughs> and then we realize, like, man, we we are going somewhere. Like we can't give up now. Like we are going somewhere. How amazing is that? Guys resistance will happen often resistance is going to happen in a lot of ways but my prayer is, my prayer for you is that even though you realize that the resistance is persistent my prayer is that you realize how persistent you can be and here's what I mean by that is that you have Christ in you Christ does not give up Christ has never given up Christ will never give up and so the one who is living inside of you is very persistent. He is always enduring. He is the victor- the victorious one. And so when we think about who we are, we are taking on that identity. And so when trials come, when resistance comes, we don't give in. We stand firm. And then when we don't want to stand firm anymore, what do we do? We stand firm. It's not what you're doing. It is who you are are it is who he's made you to be you are one who is not going to give up because who you are is one who perseveres it's a part of your identity how amazing is that how amazing is that and so when you go to work tomorrow you go wherever you're going to go tomorrow what's going to be waiting for you besides your coworker who you are trying to love resistance what are you going to do not going to give up. And then next year, you're going to face a trial, and you're going to want to give up, right? Because absolutely, obviously, but you're not going to give up because you realize, like, I've got Christ in me. Like, Christ is doing some things. Like, there's a harvest on the other side of these hard things that I'm facing, and so I, I want to see the harvest. I'm tired of seeing the hard things. I want to see the harvest, and so I'm going to keep going. Remain persistent in the resistance it's who you are amen Amen. father i pray that you would just heal our hearts father waiting always requires healing and so father i just pray that if anyone needs to just uh, trust you uh one more time father i just pray that this will be a time where they could trust you Father, if someone's given up on the dream or the promise, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would resurrect that promise right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever it is, probably squashed really far down in the soul. Father, I pray that you would bring it to life right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, most of all, we, we want you. We want you. So Father, I just pray that you would give yourself to us right now in jesus name amen
0: thanks for listening in to bright city if this was encouraging we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts if you're an owner at bright city you can give online at brightcity.church or on venmo to bright city before you go we'd love to speak this benediction from matthew 5 over you you are the light of the world a city built on a hill cannot be hidden In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.